Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Awesome. Hey, if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn it with me to the Gospel of John chapter 20. Uh, the Gospel of John chapter 20. We are continuing our encounter series And uh, if you are new or you're visiting, what we are trying to do is remind us all that when people encounter Jesus, their lives are radically transformed. You know, we have gone through a number of stories. We have met a number of people who had stories filled with pain, pride, fear, failure. And as a result of encountering Jesus, their life went on this U-turn. They found hope. They found healing. They found purpose. We believe that when people encounter Jesus, their lives are transformed and radically changed. Amen? And today, we're going to continue in that series. So if you've got your Bibles open, uh, please read with me from John chapter 20. And I'm going to read verses 24 to 29 or 30. I'm not quite sure about that yet, but we'll see what happens when we get to verse 29. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 24. It says, now Thomas, called Didymus, and sorry, very quickly, Didymus actually means twin uh, in Greek, so some believe that Thomas may have been a twin, but that's a story for another time. But now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord But then Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then verse 30, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. May God add his blessing to our reading this morning, and why don't you join me as I pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for the love that you have for everyone. And God, we thank you that this love has been made visible by the sending of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And this morning, as we turn our attention to your word and to another time and situation in the life of your son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, God, we pray that we would be in awe once again about this encounter that Thomas has with Jesus. And Father, we do pray that as we read your word and as we hear words come out of my mouth, you know, the mouth of just a simple everyday bloke, God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, You would do something special with those words. You will do something special with this time here this morning. And that all of us 
would be encouraged in the faith, that we would be able to move forward in boldness, knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God, I pray that you would be with us now, and I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as you guys know, we have just read about the life or the situation of Thomas. Uh, This situation obviously took place after Christ had done his time. He had He had gathered for himself a large following. He had performed many miracles. He had taught lots of people. And then sadly, he was crucified. You know, many claim that he was a blasphemer. Many claim that he was a troublemaker. And therefore, he found himself nailed to a cross. And at that point in time, no one really knew what was going on. There was a bigger picture that was being missed. Anyway, Jesus had been crucified. The disciples had come together. For some reason, Thomas wasn't there. I don't think it's fair to speculate what he was up to, whether he was waiting for a coffee down the road or playing PS4 or whatever it might be. We really don't know and should not speculate, but he was not there. The risen Christ then appears to his disciples And then sometime later, Thomas arrives, and then the disciples tell Thomas, Jesus is alive. But then Thomas finds it difficult to believe. Thomas says, I need to see the wounds in his hand. I need to see the marks of the cross before I believe. And as a result of that, Thomas has received a nickname. And what is it? The doubter. Thomas the doubter. Isn't it a shame That when you do just one thing wrong, you make one mistake, you just get labelled with a name and you just can't shake it. You know, the Apostle Peter, he got given a couple of names for him being a little bit reckless with his faith and launching into things without giving it much thought. And Thomas is much the same. Gee, I hope if I make some mistakes around here, you don't give me a nickname and then label that upon me for the rest of my life. Although, here's a little side note, my nickname around the Gateway Circles is Jif. J-I-F. And uh, the reason I have this nickname is because uh, I am a Kiwi. My initials are J-F. We started, or they started calling me Jeff, and then they threw the accent in it, and then it became Jif. And now when I walk around Gateway and go to staff meetings and senior leadership meetings, everyone's calling me Jif. And in fact, one day when I got to my office at McKenzie, someone had put a bottle of Jif on my desk... And they had printed out a photo of my face and had it stuck on the front of this GIF bottle. Man, I'm telling you, that's workplace abuse in my opinion. Um, But ever since then, you know, my nickname is GIF and it's just the way I roll. Uh, But Thomas has been labelled the doubter. You know, he required hardcore evidence before he believed. He wanted to see it right before his eyes before he would believe and accept the fact that this Jesus who he had followed for so many years, who he had seen do so many things, had in fact risen from the dead. He is what we could call a skeptic. Some scholars have even suggested that he is a skeptic disciple or perhaps a skeptic believer. You know, and historically in the church, you know, we would frown upon doubts and questioning our faith and skepticism. So therefore, calling Thomas the skeptic disciple or the skeptic believer probably doesn't sit well historically. But in today's day and age, 
I think based on experience, we know that even believers can find themselves in a situation of doubt. They can find themselves questioning things about their faith, about what we believe as Christians. Dare I say, there is a place, or not is a place, but, but for us as believers, there are times when we will doubt. There are times when we ask questions. There are times when we go to God about something that we just can't get our head around and we would love to have the answer right there in front of us. Can I get an amen? Whew, lucky, because that could have been really awkward. You know, for me, even as your pastor, there are still things in my head and in my heart that I would love to receive an answer from God about, but I have not yet done so. And when I get to that great place that is awaiting all of those who believe in Jesus, yeah, there'll be some interesting conversations had between me and my loving Heavenly Father. But my point is, all of us, believers or non-believers, will experience times of questioning and even doubt. You know, some would call this era that we currently live in the age of skepticism. The age of skepticism. And, uh, and, and I think it's then fair to say that there is a little skepticism in us all. And rightfully so. You know, we do live in a time of corruption and greed and political agendas. And we tread carefully in this day and age by collecting as much information as we can through questioning. Because who can you trust anymore? Who has the truth? Where can we go for answers related to the big picture? We collect information so that we can make good decisions. This is just the way it is in today's day and age. Where do we come from? Who are we? Where does our worth and value come from? What is real and true? Are there rules for a good life? Who makes them? Where is history going? These are all big questions. They're good questions and they're questions that I think we should be exploring and finding answers for. And then there are obviously other questions that aren't as significant as that. Who will win the Bledisloe Cup? Well, we know the answer to that one, don't we? Sorry, I had to throw that one in there real quick. You know, where should I study? Where do I want to work? What food shall I eat today? What clothes should I put on? Shall I rock the black and denim? These are all other questions which at the end of the day aren't as significant. But in the world that we are in right now, we do ask questions. We do experience doubt because there's corruption, there's agendas, there's a whole bunch. And in my personal humble opinion, I think our questioning, our doubting in this day and age is all a part of our pursuit toward the truth. It is a pursuit toward the truth. And doubting, skepticism, questioning is going to lead us in ultimately one of two directions, an, enc an encounter with Jesus or separation from Jesus. But I think it's fair to say that there is a little skepticism in us all, including the believers. You know, one of my favorite songs uh, within you know, the, the church scene, one of my favorite worship songs uh, is one called By Your Side. Uh, it was written in 1999 by a young man named Marty Sampson. Uh, Marty Sampson was just a young bloke back then. He got, you know, thrusted into the Hillsong spotlight because that's a part of 
That was a church that he belonged to back then. And uh, he was on numerous Hillsong albums. Uh, he became the front man of Hillsong worship. He was one of the founding members of Hillsong uh, United traveled the world, wrote heaps of songs, released heaps of albums. He became what some would call a Christian celebrity. And you know, I love Marty Sampson. You know, he was instrumental in my own discipleship as a young Christian. And uh, you know, I've loved nearly everything that he's produced since By Your Side uh, in 1999. But just in recent weeks, you know, Marty has confessed his struggles with doubt. You know, he has wrestled with some of the big questions about God's activity in the world, about heaven and hell, about the reliability of scriptures. You know, he's been wrestling with all this stuff. And uh, in so doing, and you know, he's, he's gone and promoted or he's shared it on his Instagram page. And uh, a lot of modern day evangelicals have described his confession and his struggle and doubts as his deconversion. And uh, I'm just praying, you know, uh, that this is a time for Marty to really solidify his faith, to explore those questions, to, to get the answers that he desperately needs so that he can have whatever foundation he seems to be missing. You know, my prayer and heart is just that for Marty. You know, and I'm not going to get caught up in the theology of Hillsong and what discipleship program Marty went through and whether or not he was thrusted into the spotlight too soon. I just pray that he continues to ask those questions and that God, by his grace, would reveal those questions to him. You know, there's a little skepticism in us all, including the believers, but there is also some great things out there that we can turn to to help us with our own faith and with our own foundation. You know, three books that I think uh, would be a blessing to you that have been uh, a blessing to me as, as I've explored those questions too, and I think a lot of you have at one point in time. Uh, one book is called The Reason for God by Tim Keller. Uh, great book. He explores all those tough questions about evil and suffering and the reliability of Scripture and creationism and all that kind of stuff. And I think he has a really good balanced approach to some of those big, big questions that people still have a lot of doubt about. Uh, the Case for Christ uh, is another great book by Lee Strobel. You know, if you've got any concerns or doubts about the life of Jesus, and I'll get to this in a second, man, I'd encourage you to get into this book. Man, it was instrumental in the lives of many when it comes to following Jesus and surrendering your life to Him. And another book that I haven't read, but it has been recommended as a great resource, uh, is Ravi Zacharias' The Logic of God. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about it because I haven't read it. But uh, the person who told me about it is one who I do trust. So uh, I recommend that as another great resource for you to look at if you have some doubts about the big questions in faith, if you're harboring some skepticism towards the things of the Christian faith, these are some great resources that you can lean into. I do enjoy Ravi's resources. I listen to a lot of his podcasts uh, and um, would yeah, recommend him. Uh, I just haven't read that book. But there's a little skepticism in us all. And I do believe it's because of the day and age that we live in, the corruption, the greed, the agendas, 
Therefore, we've got to be careful and discerning about the information we receive. And then we collect as much information as we can to make an informed decision through questioning. And as a result of those questioning, now I believe we are on the road to truth. We are on the road to truth. Sadly, some may not get to the truth, which we know to be Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. But others will. They'll encounter him. They'll experience his power. And as a result, their lives will be radically transformed and set on a new trajectory. Thomas was known as the skeptic believer or disciple. There's a little skepticism in us all, but there is no questioning the life of Jesus. There is absolutely no questioning the life of Jesus. You know, skeptic scholars for generations have tried to explain away the life and ministry of Jesus as just a mere legend. Yet, if you were to do your homework on Jesus, you will see that he is far more than just a mere legend. And you'll actually find out that there are a number of sources that you can turn to for evidence on the life of Jesus. The first place we can go to, obviously, is the... Gospels, absolutely. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John right there. We have accounts written by different people. Some journeyed with him, some didn't. And in it, we, we read about his birth and his life and his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his lordship and all these cool things. We can read about all that in the Gospels. But some of you might be thinking, hang on a minute, Pastor Jace. They all got Jesus' back. They're down with him. Of course, they're going to write things and provide things that lift him up and exalt him as the type of person that you're professing him to be. And you know what? You are 100% correct. So I've got nothing else to say. Let me close in a word of prayer. Just kidding. But if you were to go uh, into further research, you will find that there are a number of external, non-biblical resources that you can turn to for evidence about the life and ministry of Jesus. You know, when he walked this earth, he was opposed by his very own, the Jewish people. They believed that he was a blasphemer, that he was making claims that he shouldn't be, and he was forgiven people of sin when he didn't have the power to do that. And as a result of that, they accused him, they had him arrested, they hung him up on the cross and thought, that's it, it's all over. But even in some of the historical records provided by the Jewish people, you will see evidence for the life of Jesus. There is a Jewish history textbook called the Babylonian Talmud. Everyone say Talmud. Now come on, with more energy than that, Talmud. Yeah, it sounds weird. Um, there is this book called the Babylonian Talmud, and it actually records the life of Jesus and it accuses him of practicing witchcraft. But although he was opposed and accused of such things, this historical book by the Jewish people still claims his existence. It still supports his existence. The Roman historians also have a large number of resources that can be used to claim the life, or the life and times of Jesus. You know, Rome uh, was governing in the time of Jesus and a Roman historian named Suetonius. Everyone say Suetonius. I'm not doing that anymore. Don't worry about it. 
Uh, he was the chief secretary to Roman Emperor Hadrian, and uh, he wrote about a man named Crestus, who is the Christ, who lived during the first century and had many followers. So already those who opposed him, the Roman ruling government in their historical records provide evidence for the life and ministry of Jesus. Why? Because there is no questioning the life of Jesus. And then the Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, it gives more than 20,000 words on the life of Jesus. You know, it speaks more about him than Aristotle, than Alexander the Great, Julius, Julius Caesar, and Napoleon. There are bucket loads of resources, biblical and non-biblical, that support the life and ministry of Jesus. There are bucket loads. So when we consider Thomas, the, the, the doubting or the skeptic believer, we know that, that he was labeled this way, and over time he had an encounter with Jesus, his life was radically transformed, but we know in the story that, that there's a little skepticism in us all. But we cannot question the life of Jesus. We don't need to be there to see him, and in fact we aren't and we can't. If you try that and pull it off, please let me know, because that would be an interesting and awesome achievement. But we still have enough reliable evidence to support the life and ministry of Jesus on this world. To actually say that Jesus was only a myth and he didn't exist is just a lack. You know what I'm saying. There's enough there. And my encouragement to anyone who is harboring doubts about the Christ, who is skeptic about the Christian faith, and there's a lot of questions that you can get as you read the good word, can I just encourage you to look to Jesus? Seek an encounter with him. Learn more about him. Read up on his life. See what he had to say. Learn about the power that he had to make a difference in the world and then make up your mind from there because we just can't question the life and ministry of Jesus. You know, I just love the way, I love the way that Jesus responds to the doubt of Thomas. Okay, like Thomas gets an unfair rap, right? Doubting Thomas, you know, after being with him for three years, how could you still doubt? You know, but in reality, the other disciples also saw stuff before they believed as well. They might have done it a little bit sooner, but still, there was the, the, the witnessing of miraculous wonders and acts that caused the disciples to believe. It's really no different to what Thomas was going through. He just wanted to see the nail pierced hands. He did that, and then his response was, my Lord and my God. But he gets a, a little bit of an unfair rap, but I love the way Jesus responds to him. You know, He doesn't respond to Thomas with condemnation. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we spoke about judgment and condemnation. Jesus didn't condemn the woman caught in adultery. He doesn't do it here either. He doesn't condemn him for his doubt, for his skepticism. But instead, knowing his heart, knowing his questions, I'm not sure how, he walks through a door. That in itself would be pretty cool. You know, I'm thinking about the heavenly bodies we'll receive in glory. And the first thing I want to do with that body is walk through a door. But he walks through a door. He says, peace be with you to his disciples. And I think he says that because the disciples still felt persecuted and under pressure from those around them. But he walks and he says, peace be with you. And then Thomas, come here, brah. Come here. 
Brah is in the original version, the original language. And uh, he shows him his wounds, his marks. Doesn't condemn, but he provides facts. Now, I uh, listened to a sermon on this very topic. Um, uh, Listen to a sermon on this topic. Where is it? Where is it? No, sorry. I read American NT scholar Bart Ehrman, and he says this. He says, The reality is that every single author who mentions Jesus, pagan, Christian, or Jewish, were fully convinced that he at least lived. You know, even, uh, even the enemies of Jesus' movement thought so. Among their many slurs against his religion, his non-existence was never one of them. Jesus certainly existed, but even more compelling is the fact that his presence is still being known in the world today. Lives have been changed, and his presence can be seen in the transformation of people's uh, stories. And then he says, and this is, I think, is gold. He says, um, Christ never failed to distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe, unbelief is won't believe. Doubt is honest, unbelief is obstinacy. Doubt is looking for light, unbelief is content with darkness. Loving darkness rather than light, that is what Christ attacked and untacked um, unsparingly. But for the intellectual, this is where I was going, I'm sorry. But for the intellectual questioning of Thomas and Philip and Nicodemus and many others who came to Jesus to have their great problems solved, he was respectful and generous and tolerant and he showed them the facts. That's how Jesus dealt, dealt with the doubt of the Nicodemuses, of the Philips, and also of the Thomases. There is no questioning the life and ministry of Jesus. Let me read verses 27 to 28. I have hardly camped in this at all today. But 27 and 28. Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. We don't actually know if Thomas did that. It'd be kind of yucky if he did, but we don't know if he did that. But then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, and I want us to get this this morning. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, we're talking about a skeptic disciple, which shows there may be a little skepticism in us all, but there is no questioning the life of Jesus. But the thought I want to leave you with this morning is the words of Jesus there in verse 29. And it says, Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. Now, I don't think this is a shot at the faith of the disciples. I don't think it's a shot at the faith of Thomas. I don't believe that. In fact, you know, those who were given the task of taking the gospel unto all the world, as we read about in in Matthew 28, I think the solidification, is that a word? Solidification? Did I just make up a word then? Is that good? Can we roll with that one? Well, don't forget, I got kicked out of school in year nine, so I could be making up words every Sunday and I'd have no clue. The solidification of their faith happened as they witnessed miracles, as they witnessed signs and wonders that still continue today. And as a result of that, they were able to go and do what God had called them to do with the gospel. You know, so I, I get that. But you know, for us living in a different era, when we believe without seeing, 
we are called and considered blessed. Just let that sink in for a minute. Blessed are they who do not see Jesus or who did not see Jesus in the flesh. Blessed are they who weren't there to experience firsthand all that Jesus did, yet still believe. That's you. That's me. We're blessed. What does that blessing look like? Oh, take your pick. Salvation by grace through faith alone. A loving community that supports you, even though at times we might mess up and do things incorrectly. Um, the beauty and the glory of what is to come. You know, the freedom that we sung about earlier on, the freedom from sin, the freedom from things that hold us back, the freedom from things that cause us pain, devastation, and construction. All that we're going to receive as sons and daughters of the Most High. You, my friends, who who believe when you did not see him, are blessed. You're blessed. And I'm mindful of the time. Just give me two or three more minutes, okay? And I really want us just to, just to sit in that this morning. You know, what? one of my concerns about the people of God, and myself included, and I wrestle with this a lot, right, is, you know, because of the fall and the sin we commit, because of the bias towards sin that we have within us, you know, we do screw up and we get things wrong. And as a result of that, Jesus had to come into the world and he died upon the cross and we can be forgiven of our sins because of what he done. That's all great glory to God. You know, but, but sometimes, sometimes we then look at ourselves as hopeless, good-for-nothing, worthless pieces of trash. You know, one preacher calls this mindset worm theology, where you're just like a worm who lives in the dirt. And you know what? There is nothing we can do to achieve God's glory, God's blessing, God's love. You know, we, we can't save ourselves. We need him. I totally get that. But you know, when we are in Christ, when we've had an encounter with him, guess what we are? We're loved, we're forgiven, we're valued, we're chosen, we're victors. We are blessed, friends. You are blessed today, tomorrow, and every day moving forward. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the salvation that comes by grace through faith alone. But here it comes. Thank God for the power that comes by His Holy Spirit so that we can live a life of joy and passion and purpose. Man, you are dearly loved children of God who are blessed. That's what you are. That's what you are. And I'd love for us as a church to never give up celebrating that we can't save ourselves, but also a church that moves forward knowing that we are blessed. God loves us. Live in that, dwell in that. Yep, you're going to screw up along the way. I'm going to screw up along the way. I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but I am going to screw up along the way. You know my own journeys. I live this thing like an open book. But man, I'll tell you what, me and you, we just got to get a hold of this fact that we're loved, we're blessed, we're forgiven. Man, that does my heart some good. An age of skepticism, skepticism. There's questions left, right, and center. And I get it. 
We want to be careful about the decisions we make. We don't want to be led down the garden path. I think our doubts and our questioning and our skepticism is really the pursuit of truth. There's only one or two ways we're going to go. There's only one or two directions we'll go on. One is toward an encounter with Jesus and one is not. But we know through our reading that even Thomas, the disciple, who was doubted, uh, who was considered the doubter, you know, he still had this, this willingness to know. And in so doing, he received what he needed. And his life was radically transformed. I don't know if you know what happened after that, uh, but Thomas went on to become a very influential missionary to uh, a lot of different places, but in particular, India, what we know as modern-day India. I actually don't know what it was called back then. Was it India back then? No, it wouldn't have been. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. So he was, man, his, his doubts, his skepticism led him toward an encounter with Jesus and then a life of sharing the gospel in India. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus. And this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what questions you have. I don't know the doubts that you are entertaining and trying to work through. But I'm praying that through this message, you'll have a few tips on how to deal and get those answers and so on. But, but the question I want to ask this morning is, where are your questions leading you to? Where are your questions leading you to? Hey, I'm going to invite the band to come up this morning as we land this. And, and I just want to give you just a couple of seconds as the band comes, just to, just to close your eyes if you feel comfortable in doing so. Just reflect on the words that we've read from the story of Thomas and, and through me sharing this morning. And, and I want you to ask God, if you've got any doubts, any questions, I just want you to go to God about those things here this morning. You know, ask him to allow and to enable those questions to lead you to an encounter with Jesus. Ask him for a revelation in your life about whatever doubt and question you may have. You may not have any at all. But can I invite you this morning just to take a minute or two to reflect on the word this morning. If you've got any doubts, any questions, man, why don't you just spend some time asking God about that? Why don't you just ask Him to reveal a next step for you? How are you going to get your answer? How are you going to find that evidence? Now, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we sincerely seek Him with all of our heart, I reckon you'll find Him. I reckon you'll find all that you need in Him this morning. Before I pray, I just wonder this morning if, uh, if there's anyone here, you know, perhaps you've you know, come for the first time, you're here to maybe watch some of these baptisms that we're going to do in, in just a little bit. You're here for the first time. You have never made a decision to follow Jesus because you still have some questions that are unanswered. I wonder if there's anyone here like that this morning. You know, today I don't want to ask you to take a blind leap of faith because I don't believe 
that's required. But this morning, I just wonder if you're willing to have an encounter with Jesus by inviting Him into your life by faith today. You know, there's a little, I understand there's a little skepticism in you. There is in us all, but there is no doubting or questioning the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to have an encounter with Him this morning, why don't you just pop your hand up in the sky right now? All I'm going to do is pray for you and uh, invite Him into your situation, invite Him into your doubt and follow Him today. Does anyone here want to do that for the first time this morning? If so, just raise your hand nice and high in the sky. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. Anyone here this morning? Let's give you another couple of seconds. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, why don't you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing together. And God, as we stand, we thank you that you are the source of all truth. God, we believe this. We believe in absolute truth. We know there is a right and wrong. We know there is a moral compass in us all. And God, we believe that this, is, this, is, this has been created and given by you. And God, we know that in our hearts there is, there is a, void call, a void caused by sin. And God, we know that the only solution to that is Jesus. And Father, we pray that in an age of skepticism, where there are questions and doubts and uncertainties. God, I pray that, that all people, believers, non-believers, would continue to ask those questions. But God, I pray that along the way, they would have an encounter with Jesus, the one whom we, we know to be true, the one whom we know to be the way, the truth, and the life. God, as we worship you, as we declare our faith this morning in song, God, I ask that by your Spirit, you would just bring about a peace with us. May we know your presence. May we encounter Jesus this morning, I pray. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family, and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.